Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Healing Podcast, where we meet the joys and challenges of our sensitivity with open minds and hearts to awaken our best highly sensitive selves. Sifu Rubia discovered the benefits of Tai Chi and Qigong as a way to heal herself. Now she has made it her life's mission to share and teach these ancient healing practices with others so that we may maintain overall health, rejuvenate our bodies, and recapture youthful energy, and most importantly as HSPs, find equanimity and balance in our lives. Rubia's extensive training includes classical yang, family-style tai chi, yoga naga, a warrior form of yoga, and iron shirt qigong. She is taught in community centers, drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers, and she has spoken at the Oprah Winfrey Network offices in Los Angeles. She instructs Tai Chi fundamentals for beginners and Qigong for grounding online through Wei Wu Tai Chi as a way to guide and help others on their healing journeys. Welcome to Sifu Rubia. Thank you so much for being with us here today on the Highly Sensitive Healing Podcast. Thank you for having me, Tanya. I'm so happy to be here. What an honor. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) It really is. Can you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming an instructor of Tai Chi and Qigong? Um, sure. Yes, of course. It's, it's a little bit of a long one, but I'll, uh, I'll get through it fairly quickly. Um, so I've always had a yoga practice. I've been practicing yoga for a little over 20 years and Tai Chi came into my life about 15 years ago. And, um, I had gone through a miscarriage and my yoga practice was aggravating my body. So um, it was something had happened with my my pelvis through the miscarriage. And so things got got moved around and I just couldn't move the same way. And yoga again was was aggravating it. So I discovered Qigong and uh, which is an energy cultivation system. So you're building strength from the from the inside out. It's just it's the same approach, but a little bit different. But what it did is it strengthened what it need, needed to strengthen with what my body was going through. So that was my introduction was through a really deep loss and uh, a difficult time in my life. And from there, so I did Qigong only for about three months and discovered that I was building strength, my back wasn't going out, and I was just, you know, building a little bit of momentum. And from there, I started a a Tai Chi practice. And that kind of developed uh, along further along. And then what happened from there is you just you have conversations with your teacher and, and he encouraged me to start teaching at some point. And I was like, No, I don't think that's for me. I don't really have anything to say. Uh, or anything to share. And I was just really involved in my own practice. And so it took me a couple of years before I actually started teaching and, or at least putting my foot into, into that pool. And, um, and that's, then it was, then it was, it built momentum from there. So I started teaching and just, and it just, it develops a whole different layer of your own practice when you start teaching. It's an, it's an interesting thing. So um, and then I ended up producing uh, 
couple of courses and now I'm, I'm here kind of sharing, sharing the process with people. That's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. You know, we're even as teachers, we're always students as well. And that's the best kind of teacher because we're always learning and we have to be open, right? Absolutely. To learning all the time. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> For our listeners who are new to the practices, can you tell us a little bit more about the specifics about each of the practices of Qigong and Tai Chi? Just maybe yes. the differences and um, just a little bit of the, mm-hmm. the subtleties of it. Uh, so qigong, if we break down the word, is uh, qi is vitality, life force, uh, and the yogic tradition means prana. So we can relate a little bit to to that um, that word in that sense. And gong simply means to work, to cultivate. So qi work, qi cultivation, qigong. Um, and then Tai Chi uh, is, is a martial ex- expression of Qigong. So, uh, yeah. sorry, let me take a break. Absolutely, <laughs> take your time. <laughs> take your time. Uh, yes, I guess we can, if we bring it down to a simple form, then Qigong is the art of cultivating energy and Tai Chi is the martial expression of, of that energy. I think we can... Okay. Is there any difference in like, if we, if we see the practice from the outside, the physical part of the practice mm-hmm. is, are there any, any noticeable differences? Or are they very subtle? Um, well, they tight, companions, right. maybe the, they're both fluid movement. So, okay. um, my experience of Qigong is, is a lot more, uh, how do I say, vertical. So you're standing tall and you are moving in, very, in a slow way. However, I guess the difference with Tai Chi is you're, you're stepping out of that little box that you've, you've cultivated in your Qigong. So you're, you're stepping, you're moving. There's a little more, again, more martial applications are... Uh, are more visible, I guess, in, in a Tai Chi practice, if you're on the outside looking in. I like, the, I like how you, you, you brought that up. Yeah. Great, thank you. And so speaking of, uh, well, obviously we're speaking about Tai Chi and Qigong, <laughs> <laughs> but can you just very briefly, you know, just skim the surface of the history of Tai Chi and, and Qigong more along the lines of for people who are new to it, you know, is it associated with any religion maybe, or, you know, is it open, is it a practice, are these practices open to anyone from any religious background, um, just because, you know, if they're not familiar with it, it might seem in some respects to maybe contradict their, um, their beliefs, perhaps, like sometimes yoga, people don't associate it with Christianity, like something outside of that um, if you follow what I'm saying, (laughs) I absolutely follow what you're saying. I think it's an important question and, um, and it's, it's a great question to, to bring up. So as far as, um, so Tai Chi was originally developed as, uh, in China as a self-defense, right? A martial, martial practice. And then it, and then it evolved into a form of exercise that we know today. So as far as origins, that's, that's all I really 
would say about it. Um, okay. I, I'm not a historian. I have teachers who, who, who have that knowledge and history is not something that, that I retain really well. Understood. Understood. But I would definitely refer to my teachers whenever I would have a historical question. I have, I have, I have Rob, Dr. Rob Hoffman, who, who's, um, who's a great source for, for the history of Tai Chi, but the, the principle of it, um, does follow Taoism. So if you want to connect Taoism to, uh, to Tai Chi, we can do that if you'd like. So Taoism is more of a philosophy than a religion. Okay. And, uh, you know, a lot of philosophies are just, they're open spaces for you to expand your own knowledge of your, your own religion. Um, so there's a connection there. there, there there's no boundary or... Um, to explain everybody fits in <laughs> okay that's perfect mm -hmm. and then as far as continuing on the thought with with Taoism is Taoism respects nature and that ebb and flow of what nature is and how how nature uh, is follows the principles of, of yin and yang of death and birth creation transformation so all of these these deep thoughts that you find in Taoism, you'll find in any religious structure so there are always connections there if you want to bring religion in into it um does that make sense so far no i think that's a beautiful explanation i think di uh distinguishing between philosophy and religion although they are connected right Absolutely. we don't always depending on what background we're from we don't necessarily always see that connection um so i think that's a great distinction that you've brought up All right. so it might yeah make, make people a little bit more people who might be apprehensive might be a little bit more open if open. they see it as a connection to a philosophy as opposed to a religion right it's it, the the Taoists don't necessarily pray to a god uh, if they do, then they're, they're, you know, they're, they're just connecting to their, the universe and, and the, the universe is within. I mean, I think there, there's enough open-mindedness now, uh, out there, especially with the access that we have through, through media that, that will, that bridges those gaps of religion and, and just deep thinking, deeper thinking. That's beautiful, Rubia. Thank you. Great question. So, what do you feel? Thank you. <laughs> what do you, or how would I put this? How, why are these modalities considered healing practices? As you said, they have evolved, uh, you know, over millennia, centuries. Mm -hmm. um, so why are they considered healing practices? And in what ways would you say? Okay. Uh, well, I would at this point, I would probably bring up the book uh, titled "The Harvard Medical School Guide to Tai Chi." So, okay. Dr. Peter Wayne did uh, consistent research and studies on Tai Chi, and all of that research and data is found in this book. So, if we take it from uh, from a medical perspective and a biological perspective. Uh, some of the things that he brings up is that um, like it, like the endpoints of his his research 
is that um, he found, you know, people were uh, more productive. Uh, they, there was an increase in athletic performance, uh, stress and pain management. So all of these things were results of a consistent Tai Chi practice. I think it was, a, it's a 12 week, yes, it's 12 weeks, uh, a 12 week study. That's not a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty amazing that you can, within 12 weeks of just doing, of doing Tai Chi regularly, I think it even only 45 minutes a day for 12 weeks, which sounds like a lot, but when you, when you have an interesting class, like 45 minutes goes by so fast. <laughs> it does. It does. Oh would, my God. would you say that, you know, if somebody says, oh, I don't have any, that I, I'm so stressed, especially now with the holidays coming up. You know, could I even just do a, a 10 minute practice? Could I start there? Do you think that would be beneficial for people who don't feel that they have that 45 minutes or an hour to give? Absolutely. Um, I don't know if it's too early to talk about my courses, but the course that I, I built, the Tai Chi Fundamentals for, for Beginners, literally breaks down uh, every segment is under eight minutes. So oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. And it's, it's like 10, 10 modules or 10 chapters. So in 10 chapters, eight minutes each, 80 minutes, an hour and a bit, you have literally a full little Tai Chi set and a full introduction. So by the end of that, you're able to take five minutes a day, do your Tai Chi set, really dig into it. And, um, Everything is, if you're consistent with anything, there's a result that will happen. So trying it once or twice can be a great experience. But if you really want to dig into the practice and um, the, the true healing benefits of it, regular, you know, consistency is important. So to answer your question, yes, you can, you can benefit from 10 minutes a, a day once you have the fundamentals, right? Once you have the, the the movements or the choreography, definitely five minutes a day. That's great. Yeah, and yeah. we'll definitely um, we'll come back to your um, a little bit yes. more about what you offer we'll at the end for sure. But no, <laughs> yeah. that was I think that was great to just but let wanna, people know. I want to add to that. So yeah, sure. just coming back to what you were asking about the what what makes it a healing practice. So it's really if we look at the biology of it again. So it's the neuromuscular synergy that's uh, that Tai Chi has. Um, so the sequencing, the timing and the combination of the muscle groups that are activated is what creates that healing process, just like swimming, like swimming, you're using your whole body, right? Um, and it's a gentle, it's a gentle art form. So anybody can do it, even if you are, you aren't mobile. I think that comes up later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, <laughs> even if you're, you can't stand, there's still some movement that that you can you can participate in as far as uh, qigong or tai chi. So it's really for for anybody at any age. Uh, mostly people discover this practice uh, later in life. But I discovered it in my early 30s. So it's, you know, it depends. Yeah. And it's great that you bring that up that you have the a little bit of your story that you shared in the beginning about how you discovered it because you had a regular 
asana or physical yoga practice that you were doing, and it was aggravating some of the experience that you had been through. So can you just, although you, you mentioned it's a gentle practice, can you maybe be just a little bit more specific about the difference between the asana practice that we're familiar with in the West and these more gentle practices? Thank you for saying asana, by the way. <laughs> um, so a question that I get asked often, and it kind of, it relates to what you're asking is what's the difference between yoga and Tai Chi or what has been your experience uh, with the difference between yoga and Tai Chi? And it's really, it's a difficult question to, to answer because you don't, I don't want to influence people's practices. So, okay. Um, but I, I, I can share my experience and, and really say that this has been my experience. So they've, they've influenced each other. I had a deep uh, asana practice, asana yoga practice. And I stopped that for a little while because it was aggravating my back and what my body was going through in that moment. And Tai Chi and Qigong became more conducive to, to healing. I guess they they influence each other in that my yoga practice became deeper because of my qigong and my tai chi practice. My yoga practice became more fluid because of my tai chi and, and qigong practice. And then my qigong and tai chi practice became more buoyant because of my asana practice. So that's, that was my experience. I can't say that what will happen <laughs> uh -huh. to to um any yogi who who's listening right now who who I can't say that that's what will happen to you to you but they definitely influence each other on on a very deep energetic level so for me qigong has been developing the energy body and really letting go of step literally stepping out of the physical body so there are moments of of being in that that flow state that um you're 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 a little bit outside of your body because you're in a different kind of energetic flow and i've only been able to achieve that through a regular qigong practice and tai chi practice that might be a little far <laughs> no no, no that's perfect hole, i mean but... no it's definitely not because one thing about what I'm trying to do here with this podcast is that we all share our own experiences, but we can only really see things through our own eyes, right? And so we can't really, when we say things like, follow steps one through 10 and you'll have this result, right? It's not practical. It's not fair. It's not realistic. And so just by sharing our own experiences, I think we can open, you know, just open the windows and the doors for people to experience it for themselves. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, so that's definitely. that. Yeah. So no, that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Just to cover this very, very briefly, you mentioned that I use the word asana. So in the West, we have a very, typically a very myopic view of what yoga is. So yoga is a very deep, meaningful, spiritual practice that has many, many layers. Yes. So when it comes to Tai Chi, is Tai Chi also a type of meditation? 
And if it is, how is it different from how we understand meditation in the West? Great question. Um, Tai Chi is known as a moving meditation. So you're, you're creating stillness in the body. So meditation for me is, is where, where is that place where you find stillness? Now, some people need a certain environment to, to, to find that. They need a certain lotus posture to, to find that. And that's fine. Uh, that actually never worked for me. So for me, sitting in meditation is, is difficult. I can do maybe 12 minutes. And I've had to work my way up to 12 minutes of sitting um, in meditation. Uh, that's why Tai Chi was, was a beautiful experience for me because I can be, I can discover this flow state and this uh, uh, mindfulness, I guess, or, or becoming in the present moment, but actually moving. So uh, in that sense, Tai Chi is different with that it's, it's a moving meditation. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that relates to the second half of your question of how. Um... No, I think it does perfectly because we're where for lack of a better term, we're sold, right? A kind of picture of what meditation is supposed to look like, what, you know, a yoga practice is supposed to look like. And so I think it's great to let people know that there's all different ways you can meditate, right? Yes. And so Tai Chi as a moving meditation for somebody who thinks I, I don't have the time or I don't have the ability to, you know, sit on the floor, you know, for 30 minutes plus a day. So and hard. If, yeah. And if <laughs> I can't, and if I can't sit in this lotus posture, you know, for 30 minutes plus a day, then meditation's not for me. Or, you know, or I tried it once and I couldn't do it. So I just, it's not for me. And I walked away from it. So just introducing people to let them know, no, yes, there are different ways to meditate. And this is one wonderful way, a gentle way. Yeah, you bring, you bring that up. That's so interesting. So the first time I tried Tai Chi was uh, before the miscarriage and all of that. I had tried a Tai Chi class, I think maybe three years before. I literally walked out of class. I was like, this is not for me. Wow, <laughs> that's great to share. Yep. <laughs> Um, that, and that is part of the story. And Tai Chi brings, it just brought up a lot of stuff. So when you're, when you're forced to be still, when you're, when you're forcing yourself, especially in these, in a, in a sitting meditation to be still, that really, you can, you bring up a lot of stuff. If you're not ready to sit with it, then it, it then you walk away. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you give up and that's I, I did yeah the first Tai Chi I walked a Tai Chi class I, I went into I just yeah I walked out <laughs> and here we are look at that <laughs> yes exactly and I've been there myself and I'm sure there's lots of people listening that have been there as well it took me you know decades to be able to sit with things that have happened to me and so it's 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 an individual journey and once again, that's why we want to talk about this, that we're all on our own path. 
we all find our way there in different ways and at different times, and there's no set way to do it. Absolutely. The, the, the path is, is the same, even though it doesn't look like it's the same. And we're all really just walking each other home at the end of the day. So cultivating, you know, compassion, uh, kindness, uh, being gentle with yourself. I think it all, it, and it all starts with yourself. So when you're, when you're healed and when you've gone through your, your alchemical process and however that happens through an asana practice, through Tai Chi, through, uh, through philosophy, through deep reading, through um, the toil, whatever the toil is for you, how you alchemize your, yourself, that's how the rest of the world heals, right? So it's, it's very important to, to do that. And we're, we're at a point in society now that we're, we're being called to it because the dark is, is setting in. Right? And, and it's obvious. It's really, really obvious. So um, it's important to heal ourselves. And heal, healing yourself comes with um, observation, you know, looking within and accepting what is happening, going through it, and sitting with it, and, and, you know, finding the tools to, to manage it. Tai Chi is, it has been my, my tool, that doesn't mean it'll be yours, but this is a tool that's worked for me, if it, if, if it can work for you, great. There's so many things happening in the world right now, we can't ignore all of the darkness that has always been there, but now we, we can't ignore it anymore. Um, and especially as highly sensitive people, we are often a lot more attuned to a lot of these things that are happening in the world and how they affect us and how they affect humanity, affect the planet, animals, all of the, all of the life around us. And so when we're processing these things, it affects our mental or physical health. What ways do you think some of these practices of Tai Chi and Qigong can benefit highly sensitive people specifically? So being highly sensitive, once you've really established, once you've recognized it and you've established it for yourself and you you've accepted that this is this is just part of who you are, you realize that that there's extra work involved for you to even navigate through the world, right? So getting there is really the first step is just acknowledging, listen, I'm just vibrating at a different frequency than most people. And I'm super sensitive and empathic. And it, it's not easy to be able to feel other people's energies all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You are, you are talking to the choir. Yes. So, <laughs> but then that being said, where's the gift, right? So highly sensitive people make awesome nurturers, healers, um, you know, going into nursing or any kind of healing practice, you thrive because you're, you're, that empathy helps other people heal, but you have to get a to a place within yourself to be able to, to really let that expand outward. So 100%. coming back to the needs of some, someone who has, you know, highly sensitive energies, self-care, you know, what are your, what do you need 
what does your body, your spirit, your soul need to be able to function? Uh, what I discovered was I need to be able to sleep. You know, good sleep is important. Um, and to be able to do that, I need to exercise. So movement is important. There's so much energy that's kind of pulsating through that it needs to go somewhere. So um, if it's not channeled properly, you can get into these really, uh, you know, highly sensitive people are often addicts. You know, you have a lot of people who, are, who get into addiction because it just, it's difficult to manage that energy. It's, it's too, it's too much. And so the, the alcohol, the, the nicotine subsidize, like subsides that, um, that supercharge. So um, I worked in, I did a lot of Tai Chi and movement therapy in um, uh, a rehabilitation center. So I got, you know, to see firsthand how these people were, were na navigating their, their lives and takes a lot of courage to go through rehabilitation because it's easier to numb yourself right the easy path is to numb the absolutely <laughs> and numb it's, it and yeah. then the harder path is to to really look look in and and challenge yourself and grow yeah well you you brought up addiction which i think it's all of these things have a lot of stigma to them but it's important to know that addiction is you know, not necessarily just substance, right? We can be addicted to a lot of things that aren't mm -hmm. healthy for us. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I've had a, an addiction with shopping, with buying things to try to make myself feel better, to fill a Retail space inside therapy. of me. Exactly. And so, you know, this is harmful in many different ways. So it's important to know that addiction isn't just one thing that you necessarily need to go to it's uh, not necessarily just about alcohol or, exactly or drugs exactly or yeah it's it's what repetitive action that you're doing to yourself to numb something else that you're not willing to to look into or or heal or soothe or or, or whatever so oh we were talking about um tools for uh, self-care so mm -hmm. sleeping nutrition it's really important to understand what um uh, you know food and you know what fuels you so if you're if you're eating a lot of junk food then that's going to be harder for your body to process and will you know depression can it, it's just an easy place for depression to set in but if you're fueling your body with you know new, good nutrition the right minerals vitamins um those are, are, we just have to go through very disciplined habits. We have to be disciplined when we're, when we're that sensitive and uh, our, our energy fields are, are that open. We, we really have to take our, our self-care into our own hands, uh, creating the right boundaries with people, uh, learning how to communicate, communicating, um, how you're feeling to somebody else because of what you you feel internally or externally is part of the process so learning these these skills uh, as far as coming back to the practices uh, developing um breath work or pranayama practice is really important really understanding how to connect your breath to to whatever emotion is going through you and and allowing it to 
to flow because emotions will come, right? Emotions will come, some more intense than others. And it's really learning how to breathe through it, not fighting it. Um, so pranayama practice, I mean, Tai Chi, Qigong, everything is breath to movement, yoga, uh, asana, everything is breath to movement. So when you, and that's part of the, um, the end result of the, the, the medicine behind these practices, the moment you connect breath to movement, you are changing your nervous system, you're changing your energy field, you're, and it's, it happens quickly. It's not even something you need to wait for. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's virtually instant. So developing a breath practice or pranayama practice, I would say before anything else is probably um, the most important one for, for someone who's super highly sensitive. I agree. A breath work is, um, is the key. I think definitely uh, a huge part of the foundation. And when we have these practices, as you say, especially as highly sensitive people, I think that's something that we can always turn to when we, when we have that practice, then when we are confronted with these emotions or the different waves that we go through or something that maybe wasn't unexpected, the more we practice, uh, it's a foundation within us. And so- exactly we almost automatically turn to it. Exactly. Yeah. You create a, you create an inner place of solace. That's what this practice has done for me. And because I've been doing it for a long time, like I can be in, in, in a charged moment and then just close my eyes and go back to my practice because I've developed uh, that place within internally. Uh, it takes time. It takes discipline uh, to, to do that. You have to want to, you have to want to heal, right? You mm-hmm. have to want to, to do things differently. Um, but ultimately, yes, it's finding that, that place where you feel safe, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and nobody's going to do it for you. No one's going to do it for you. You have to, there are no hacks. (laughs) (laughs) There are no hacks (laughs) as much as attractive as they can be. You know, we, we do, we have to do the work and we have, when we're ready, then we're willing to, to put in the time, but we have to be ready. Yeah. As you said. So for these practices, again, for people who might be unfamiliar, is it something that you need a lot of, uh, equipment for, for example, you know, I can't practice, you know, uh, you know, the asana practice, unless I have the certain, um, yoga mat, or I need all these props. And a lot of people right. do need props, right. Yes. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with props. They're in addition to our practice many times, but the picture that we have of the certain, uh, equipment that we need, or we need to be young and physically fit quote unquote, to do these practices. Um, are they open to anyone to begin, you know, of any body type, all of that? I think you touched on that before, but, um, so yes, yoga can be a little intimidating in that sense. And, um, even though I've been practicing for a long time, I still use blocks and straps and, you know, like you, you, 
depending on the day, sometimes you need it, sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, to travel with the yoga practice is a little more complicated in that sense. But to travel with the Tai Chi practice, all you need to to do is be yourself, right? So I've had really wonderful experiences traveling with uh, with my Tai Chi. And um, so no, to answer that question, you don't need any props for Tai Chi or Qigong. Um, it's, uh, and, and then fitness level, it's really, it's such a gentle practice that you, you really can be at any stage of your, your wellness and, and do it. The key is just to start. Um, I would definitely, you know, you can still speak with your doctor and to make sure that, okay, it's okay to raise your, your arms above your, your head, like have those conversations with, with your doctor before starting anything. Uh, I'm not selling you. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you know, have, like, you know, if you have injuries or injuries or surgeries, things <laughs> right. like that, you know, and you, and you feel but, uncomfortable, get like, you know, right. an okay. It, but ultimately it is a, a practice that, you can you can go into very uh, seamlessly at any fitness level. It's not I I didn't find it as intimidating as yoga physically. The the fact that I walked out of class the first time it was more a psychological thing, right? It was an ego thing, psychological thing that that was going through um, through me at that moment in time. But it wasn't because I couldn't physically do it. So. Yeah, I would encourage people to to try it, you know, and um, and see where where it takes you. It's a it's definitely gentler than than yoga, and for me, is less intimidating um, than a yoga practice. Yoga is hard. <laughs> yoga is not a, a, an asana practice. Is not an ease. Even a yin practice is is difficult. Holding holding. A yin practice is not a gentle practice. (laughs) And I think, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother episode (laughs) (laughs) for sure. But yeah, I mean, that's no, I love that we, you know, kind of keep coming back to these sort of, not sort of these misunderstandings, misconceptions of what, you know, yoga really is. And once again, there's so many layers to all of these practices that were just, now beginning to scratch the surface of here in the West. And so that's why it's, you know, so important to have voices like Mm -hmm. yours explaining Mm -hmm. that all of these wonderful things to us and that there's so much more to offer. There's, there's a lot of, um, yeah, again, for, for someone who's highly sensitive, find if anything, a, a, a consistent pranayama practice, breath work, start there start with learning how to breathe with your whole body as opposed to just the the top of your your lungs right discovering uh, belly breath um, fire breath which is a little more intense but it purges fire breath will purge you know um, some of that that intense energy that's moving through you so yeah i would say breath work would you say there's any negatives to these practices? Like maybe choosing the, I hate to use the word wrong, but maybe a, a, a style of, of Tai Chi or Qigong that's not maybe appropriate for you or maybe an instructor um, that doesn't fit with what you're looking for. 
just in general, are there any negatives to these practices? And if there aren't I, any, then yeah, I don't, I don't know that. Uh, definitely not negative. I mean okay. that that will be that will be through your own experience, right? Okay. You can have a negative experience mm -hmm. uh, that you're not ready for, right? Hence, yep. Yep. me walking out of my first IT absolutely. Class. Me, that's a negative, uh, and it took me years before I took the tried again you know and then even when I tried the second time it wasn't a great experience I was like eh, maybe not now <laughs> you know what mm -hmm, I mean mm -hmm. it, it's not it's not a brilliant experience but it, it wasn't a great experience but something uh, is calling you back yeah whatever that was that called me back it called me back I mean now in hindsight because of I don't know if I can bring this up or I should bring this up, but I've been studying astrology for the past year and the, it's a language, right? So understanding, and th this actually will tie in. So self-care is, is also know thyself, right? Know when we understand something, when we understand, when we understand where something is coming from, it's easier to process. You're like, oh, okay. The analytical mind needs needs the analysis, and then it it, it can take you to another level um, of of healing. So knowing thyself. Once I started to understand how to read a birth chart, and to understand how planets speak with each other and interact with each other, in um, in a birth chart and also in in transit and transits and stuff like that. I don't want to get too too heady for for this conversation. But once I, I saw in my birth chart that being a healer or being part of a, a, a healing, um, bringing, bringing your career into a healing space or a healer space, then I accepted it, right? You, then you, you, you accept like, okay, the stars are, are the divi divine is guiding me through this and okay let's go let's go but I only got there because I understood something about myself and I accepted it so it, it, I know this is not an astrology conversation no 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 it's part of your journey and that's but what we're was, talking about it's part of um it's part of the whole yeah and when you go deeper into uh, Taoist philosophy and Tai Chi there's cosmology ties into it and you, you really you start going a little deeper into the thought process but everything's connected it's really coming down to to being connected to everything we're we're part of nature we're we're literally part of the earth <laughs> we're not separate from the earth correct once you start accepting that I mean we can't jump. We, you can only jump like what two feet or a foot, and then you're you're brought right back down. Mm -hmm. You're part of the earth. So whatever the earth is going through, we're going through, and we're seeing now how our behavior affects the earth. Right. So once you sync up to that, you realize, okay, we're in trouble. But now, how can I help? Where, where where's my responsibility in this? And then you start going within, you start looking within yourself, taking care of yourself, healing, healing the, the parts of you that need to be healed. So you can be a part of the bigger, the bigger part of the, the healing process of what, what needs to happen. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of um, what being highly sensitive is, is that, mm -hmm. you know, we are 
a lot more in tune with yes. a lot of these things and, but not necessarily knowing what to do with all of this information that we're being fed mm-hmm. <laughs> from all of the life around us, you know, and so finding a way to not only deal with that for ourselves, but then take all of these things that we're feeling and that we know, um, and let them out into the world as a healing tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank Creativity, you. you know, like be creative. I think people don't give themselves permission to be creative. Uh, and we're creative beings. We're, we're, we're built, we're made from a creative process. And we lose, we lose that along the way. You have artists that go in and become artists and they're always in that flow state of, of creativity and, and that they're, they're always plugged in. But most, of, most people aren't and you, you lose that creativity. So it's really giving yourself permission and giving yourself the space to be creative what, and whatever that means to you through visual art, through music, through um through movement, through whatever it means to you, find a place where you can be creative and, and feed that. And from there, something will come up. You know, it, it, will, it will happen organically. What it is, I don't know, but something will trigger. If you, if you allow yourself to be in that space of creativity, just kind of go from there. Let, let it happen. And we, you know, and to be creative, we don't have to necessarily, you know, do an oil painting that we need to sell, right? right. We can create just for us. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> create just for ourselves. Like you said, be in that space. Yeah. So it's, it's a freedom. Giving the energy a space to go mm-hmm. and, um, and to flow into. So that's, that's part of, again, coming back to being like highly sensitive we have all this energy but if it's not channeled properly it can go in 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 bad directions or weird directions or directions that aren't suitable so finding your ground finding your center you know finding your sovereignty and and really cultivating that space will just open everything else up so what do you, what's something you've discovered on your own personal journey that you think highly sensitive people could maybe learn from or benefit from? It's being, it's doing the work. It's first acknowledging that you're, 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 you're sensitive and your, your, your energy is vibrating different. Okay. Where do I go from there? Um, f- just find, find what works for you, but, but make it a mission to, to go out and seek it. You know, that's, um, yeah, again, just, it kind of comes back to everything we're. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's a, that's a beautiful answer. So let's go. So just to briefly touch on the physical practice, um, of these modalities, do you have any advice for any of our highly sensitive listeners who maybe are persons with disabilities or wheelchair users that might be new to this practice, but don't know where to begin? Classes might be a little bit harder to find because I don't think gyms are open yet, or maybe they are. I don't know. It depends where you live. And it's never been really easy to find a Tai Chi class, if I'm being honest. It's not, it's not an easy thing to, to find. You can find yoga classes everywhere. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> but finding a Tai Chi class is, isn't um, as easy. Um, but there's a lot of information online. So if it's something, if you're willing to try something new, definitely start, uh, you know, YouTube is a great source. You know, there's no one YouTuber that I would uh, point you to, but mm-hmm. there's information out there that can get you started. Um and then again, speak with your doctor and see if it, it is a right practice for you. If you're if you're chair bound, um, I haven't produced anything specific for that, and that actually gives me the idea too in the future as I look at my production for the next year or two. Um, so, but it's possible there there are chair practices just like there is chair practice for yoga there's chair practices for for tai chi and qigong so they're out there um i would say you know just if you want if you want something you'll find it (laughs) okay no that's great that's great and uh, we'll try to um i'll try to include at least one resource in the show notes um that might give people some direction that might be looking for a practice like that okay so thank yeah. you for, for yeah. sharing your, um, your insight on that. Yeah. And if I find something specifically, if we're talking about wheelchair or someone who's like chair bound, mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll look as well and see what I find. Yeah. Or even like an upper or lower limb amputee, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll take a look. Something that might be a little bit more, it's a little bit specific, but you know, there are people out there that, Absolutely. that have that, have that, yeah. um, that desire to try some of these practices. Yeah. So just in general, what, what style, I know you teach, uh, you teach several different styles of, of Tai Chi. So which style of Tai Chi would you say is great for uh, somebody who is just beginning for a highly sensitive beginner? Is there anything that, like in particular that you would recommend? I've, I, I know Chen style and Yang style. So um, Yang style is, is the one that's um, used the most around the world in the planet so and it's it's a softer style than the Chen style in my experience so I would say definitely a, a, a yang style uh, would be a good place to start um, and there are there's there's a form that's been standardized so all of the the Tai Chi families came together. There's five of them. So they all came together at some point and said, okay, let's create a style that will be standardized for, you know, for school. Cause in China, you go to school, you learn Tai Chi, right? So it's, uh, it's part of the, the curriculum. So they, they came together and, and, and created a, a standardized style. So that's the mode, like the 24, 48 style. You have these numbered styles that, that have been standardized. So those, those are recommended um, and a, a good place to start. And so can you tell us a little bit more, Ruby, about um, where we can find you and what you offer as an instructor? Is this young style? Is that something that you offer? Yes. So um, I'll talk a little bit, yeah, about the, the courses that, I, that I've produced. So uh, there's a Qigong cl- uh, course that is uh, for grounding. So it's, it's a very grounding, stabilizing course. 
uh, again, gentle movements, you have, it builds your roots. So that's where the, the word grounding comes in. So you're really, you're building your legs and you're, you're, you're rooting and then you're softening your, your upper body and you're bringing your, those two energy, you're harmonizing those, those two energies. So the Qigong for grounding, um, that's what that course does and you're sinking breath to movement. And so it's a good place to start. Uh, it's a great introduction to, to Qigong and they're so, yeah, the, the Qigong for grounding is, is, is just that it, it, it gives you a center point to root into it. It cultivates your, your breath to, to movement. And it's a nice introduction to, to chi work and qigong and then the tai chi that i the first tai chi class course that i i've created is really for beginners so we do a little bit of qigong at the beginning as a, as there's a discovery a warm-up uh qigong warm-up and then a few walking drills and then we get into the course where you learn a full section which is a full set uh, that you can you can continue to practice and we everything is really broken down so every chapter is again under eight minutes and they build on each other so we add like one or two movements at a time so it's really really built for a beginner and paced for for that um, again a great great place to start would you like to mention um where people can find you? So my, the website is online, and I'll spell it W-E-I-W-U-T-A-I-C-H-I dot online. So there's information on me, there's um, information on Tai Chi and the courses are, are all there. That's great. And I'll include all of that information in the show notes as well, where people can find you and reach out if they want to learn more about everything that you do and that you offer. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sifu Rubia, for being here with me today and for speaking to us. What a a beautiful conversation and opportunity to share. Um, And thank you for for making this available for, for people. We're all kind of, we're all working towards something, aren't we? We are, we are, (laughs) and it's so much better when we have support. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. What a joy and privilege it's been to speak with Sifu Rubia and to learn more about how these ancient practices of Tai Chi and Qigong can bring us more balance, grounding, and healing as HSPs. She truly radiates compassion and kindness. And for you, dear listener, Sifu Rubia is offering her Qigong for grounding course free for the month of December 2021, as well as a 50% discount on her Tai Chi Fundamentals course. You'll find links to some of the resources she mentioned, as well as links to a wheelchair Tai Chi practice, a resource guide to Tai Chi for amputees and individuals with limb difference, and links to her course offerings with discount codes. If you enjoy the Highly Sensitive Healing Podcast, please leave a review and share it with others. And now you can support this labor of love through Patreon. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the good stuff, and I'll see you next time. 
Thank you so much for spending time with me here on the Highly Sensitive Healing Podcast. New episodes are released Wednesdays, and please feel free to reach out with any questions or comments. And never forget, we were given this highly sensitive life because we're strong enough to live it.